Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Megan, and I will be doing the scripture reading for today. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to 54. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he didn't first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you, lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of them they will kill and persecute so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who are entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things lying to wait for him, to catch him in something he might say. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again, Cornerstone. Good morning. This is Pastor Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and um, we're so happy that you can join us once again for our worship gathering. So today, uh, I'll be sharing our message, and I'll be sharing from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, we're continuing our series through Luke together. And our, our, our brother Nathan last week uh, shared with us from uh, chapter 10. And he shared that we are all called, right? We are all called to be a part of community, to, to pray, to trust in God and proclaim the gospel and to rejoice in our salvation and how we are all called to be sent out as well. So for this week, we are looking at this section of chapter 11, where Jesus is actually being very critical of the Pharisees and the scribes. And when we read this, we may think it is a warning to these horrible religious figures. But in reality, um, it is a message to us as well. So let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us here this morning and ask him to reveal his truth and word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a good God, that you show us your truth and show us your word. So Lord, reveal your truth to us, Lord, in our hearts. And may your spirit speak to us in a powerful way here this morning. Lord, uh, may this time glorify you and honor you because it is the truth of the gospel. And we pray that we will experience your grace and love here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said earlier, uh, the Pharisees are considered to be like the bad guys of the New Testament. 
Uh, they are these they are these religious leaders uh, who seem to be full of themselves and and they think they're better than they actually are. Uh, and we sometimes look at them and we just shake our heads at them, and we think um, of them as villains, maybe in like a movie or a TV show. But the reality is that when Jesus speaks uh, to Pharisees, and we also see him speak to scribes here as well, who are similar to Pharisees, uh, it's not just a warning to, to those people or to those villains. It is very much a message to us, a warning to us as well, because the Bible tells us that we are all in need of grace. We all fall short of the glory of God. So we are all capable of being like these Pharisees and scribes. We are not immune to that in any way. We all need salvation. We all need forgiveness. And that, in, in, in the same way that the Pharisees needed to be rebuked and taught the truth, we also need that as well. If you know anything about uh, comic books, I don't know a whole lot, but I, I know from the, the movies and, and the little that I read when I was a kid um, that basically anyone can become a villain. Right? These comic book writers are willing to take crazy risks and they can make these venerated heroes into the most horrible villains. There are points uh, in the comic book series of Superman where he becomes a villain. And there's even one comic book storyline where Steve Rogers, Captain America himself, a man who could do no wrong with the utmost integrity in the comic book world, even he himself was made into a Hydra sleeper agent. Hydra is basically the villain of villains. They're the Nazis of the comic book world. And he was basically a sleeper Hydra agent at one point. And, and fans were outraged about this to, to think that Captain America is a sleeper agent of the enemy. And in a similar way, the reality is that any one of us could be the bad guys also. We can be like the Pharisees. We, especially as Christians, we are like the religious ones who are the Pharisees in, in our passage. And even though we seek to be Christ-like because of what Christ has done for us and we have received his uh, grace and love and we believe in him, in many ways we can still be Pharisaical in our thinking. We think we can uh, earn God's favor at times because we, we do the right thing or we uphold the law and we think God owes us something at times. I think uh, many of us are guilty of that. And sometimes we think we are uh, good based on how well we act or how well we obey the law or how well we are obedient to our parents or how good of a husband we are or how good of a wife we are. Right? We, we measure how good of a person we are in that way sometimes. When in reality, no, we are only good because of what Christ has done for us. And so this story, it all starts with the Pharisee wanting Jesus to clean his hands. Now, that is not a, this is not biblical in any way in the sense that um, he is supposed to do this washing of hands ceremonially uh, for the purposes of eating. No, it was not for this purpose at all. It was not even for hygienic purposes, but it was this extra biblical ceremonial law that the Pharisees created and this, this tradition that they created 
to, and they were trying to impose it on Jesus, just making him do these extra biblical things, right? And this is where Jesus begins his critiques or woes to the Pharisees. And, and, and a woe is basically a way to say, oh no. And, and not the, not the, oh no, not, not in a soft, oh no sense, like, oh no, but, but it's like, oh no, something bad is going to happen. There is impending do doom. It, it's, it's a word of judgment when, when Jesus says this. And it is basically saying, you are screwed. All right. And so Jesus gives this woe to the Pharisees and, and to the scribes in our passage. And so um, let me go through these uh, set of woes that we see. So we see two different sets of woes. The first set of woes is to the Pharisees. And first is uh, he, he shows them their hypocrisy in tithing and how they give to the church. They give their 10%, their, their tithe, but they neglect justice and love of God. Secondly, is about their love of having the best seat, uh, the best seat at the synagogue, right? Which is uh, the idea that they they like they like to be um, ha they like to have the status to show that they are assigned to this to this VIP area of sorts. Basically, they like this kind of VIP treatment that they have been getting. Third is uh, Jesus is comparing them to unmarked graves. Basically, um, in, in, in those times, being in contact with a grave made a person unclean. Right? Being in contact with the dead made you unclean. So someone who would walk over an unmarked grave basically became unclean without knowing that they became unclean. And so essentially, people who follow the Pharisees, Jesus is saying that they are deceived because they are actually leading them astray. The Pharisees are unmarked graves. They're leading them astray, leading them to uncleanliness. Basically, God is saying they are teaching the wrong things. What they are teaching is not true. Now, there's a second set of woes to the lawyers or the scribes, like I mentioned. And, and like I said, they're, they're similar to the Pharisees and they were the ones who actually drafted the law and knew the law very well also. And at times we see that uh, certain Pharisees were also scribes um, and, and they challenged Jesus throughout the Gospels regularly. And, and so uh, the first woe to the lawyers or the scribes is that they burden people by making them obey laws that were not totally biblical and they actually added these extra biblical laws which made it harder for people to obey the law. And, and they actually don't do anything to help people obey the law. They just make it harder for them to obey and judge them for not doing so. And, and they're doing it with these laws that are not even in the Bible. They're making up these laws. And so that is what it means when, when it says they do not touch the burdens. All right. So the second woe we see is against, the second woe we see against the lawyers is how the lawyers are hypocritical in building monuments to the prophets. So although they continue to say that they're teaching according to the prophets, Jesus is saying, no, you are not teaching according to the prophets. And so you are being hypocritical in building these monuments to the prophets when, and, you, and you venerate them, right? But you slander them because you don't treat people well and you don't teach people the right things. 
And lastly, the third woe uh, we see to the lawyers, he condemns them for how they do not share the key knowledge. Right? So the key knowledge needed for God's plan and salvation. Again, they are teaching the wrong things. They are not teaching the truth. They are considered to be false teachers. So then we see after this, the scribes and Pharisees try to trick and provoke Jesus because he just basically accused them of being hypocritical teachers. Um, and, and he's saying that they're hypocritical who, who give generously but don't really act with justice and compassion. Now, Jesus uh, accepts this invitation to dine with them, probably knowing that uh, he was going to say something or that he would even be questioned in some way because this is a pattern we see throughout um, uh, Jesus's interaction with the Pharisees and scribes. Uh, but this time he was uh, ready to respond and do so in a relatively forceful way. When you are saying woe to someone, you are basically saying judgment is upon you because of all of these things that you are doing wrong. And so he, he's clearly upset and trying to call out these Pharisees and how they're being hypocritical and wrong in their teachings. Now, again, this is not just a warning to these people out there in, in the scripture, and it should not be something far away from us or distant from us. No, this is something that we can relate to. We, this is a warning to us. We can see Jesus teaching us a few things here today. So let me uh, share a few things that we see Jesus teaching us. First, Jesus is teaching us to, to love God and to love his word. The way we display that we love God is not solely based on how we feel or, or how we pray to God or how we sing to God, right? Um, but it is on how willing we are to follow and obey his word. And that's true with anyone we love. We don't always feel that we love our loved ones, our family members, our spouses, our, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our, 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 even our, our regular friends as well. We don't love them the same every day. We have our moments where we, we can't stand our spouses, right? We can't, we, and, and, and we just can't stand them because they did something wrong and, and everything they do annoys us and, and they're just so just hard to be with in that moment, right? But there are other moments where we can't see anything wrong with our spouses. They could do no wrong. Everything they do is perfect, and, and we are so in love with them. And, and you know, a lot of times that's the, the honeymoon period of a relationship, right? But no matter the situation, right, we don't love them any less, no matter how we feel. Or, or at least we shouldn't love them any less based on how we feel. And, and we still show our love, even though we don't feel uh, the same love for them right? We, we still care for them, and we still are, are faithful to them. We continue to take care of whatever responsibilities we may have. We continue to look after them and, and, care for, and, and care for all their needs and do what's best for them in every situation. And this is similar to how a, a parent may love their child. Um, these scribes and, and Pharisees, we see that they lost sight of that, and, and so they claimed to love God and His Word, Right? They, they basically um, based their whole life on that truth that, oh, yes, we love God and his word. We, we are keepers of the law, right? But based on what Jesus says, he says that they have twisted the law. They have twisted the word of God. 
And it is clear that they do not truly love God and love his word. And in many ways, we do this as well. We twist the words of God and we try to make it fit into our own thoughts, our own values, our own desires. For example, one of the most misused and abused Bible verses and passages is Jeremiah 29, 11. It is a great verse by all means, and everything in, in the Bible obviously is great. But this verse is misused, misused so much because it sounds as if, as if you believe in God. And if you believe in God, God promises to make sure that he will provide these wealthy riches for you that you will never get sick, that you will have a successful future as long as you believe in him. So basically, it gets twisted into a version of the prosperity gospel where uh, these people who, who teach these false things say that if you believe in God and you trust in him more and have better faith, then God will provide riches for you. And the only reason why good things are not happening for you is because you do not have enough faith. And that is not the gospel. That is not the truth of the gospel. God does not guarantee riches, does not guarantee material blessings to us at all. No, the gospel teaches us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we want that life, we are to follow him. But that does not mean that, that we will have blessings here on earth. It means we will be in heaven with God because of the reconciliation we have through Christ. But that does not guarantee any earthly reward at all. So now, uh, this, this is the actual good news of Jesus. And, and, and when people use a verse like this, we have to make sure that we see this verse in a certain context, where the people of God, in, in the context of Jeremiah, were, were being held captive in Babylon, and they had very, very little hope. And this is Jeremiah reminding them when he says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God is not distant, but he is with them, even if they're not in Jerusalem. Even in a foreign land, God is with them because they thought that God only came in Jerusalem. That was what they thought at the time. But no, God is saying, no, I am with you, even as you are captive in a foreign land. Now, if you think about it, this actually isn't great news to them because his promise is not meant to be fulfilled any time in this generation, but it would happen in a later generation. So how does this really apply to us as Christians? Well, if we believe in him and trust in him, we know that God does have a plan for us. And if we are in Christ, we know that God's plan is good for us. We can count on that fact. But in no way does it promise anything materialistic, like I said. And in the short term, it actually may be hard. Because if we look at the rest of Scripture, we see that it is hard to be a Christian. It is, uh, we have to bear our own cross. We have to go through burdens and persecution. We see this throughout Scripture. It is not easy to be a Christian at all. So when we see this, understand this in context, we see that, no, we look to the long-term future of the uh, union with God that we will have in Christ when we meet him in heaven, when our time here on earth is done. That is the future hope that we have. And so we must honor God's word and, and take it seriously and understand it in the proper context. 
Now, I know I didn't read Jeremiah 29, 11 for us. I, I hope that you guys will look up the passage yourself um, and, to, and to really look uh, at the meaning of it properly. And, and all of Scripture, that, that is our, our, our calling, to look at Scripture in, in the proper understanding and context of the rest of Scripture and to really obey it, not to make it fit into our own worldviews, but to obey it as it is. So that means we need to know Scripture well, and we need to seek to honor God by knowing His Word and seeking to obey Him. So please, know your Word well. That is the only way we can apply it to our lives, so that we don't misuse Scripture like many people misuse Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, the second point Jesus teaches us is that we are called to love those around us, right? So when we love God, we are filled with his love and obedience. And, 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 and evidence of that love is that we seek to obey him by seeking justice and compassion for those who are in need. That is what Jesus is emphasizing here. He chastises these Pharisees for giving money yet neglecting justice. Now, money alone isn't enough, and even if we give money to good causes, to the church for, for just reasons and, 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 and for just causes, we still have to ask ourselves, are we truly seeking justice in our daily lives, or are we simply being hypocritical? Many of us think that throwing money at a problem is the answer, but what matters to God is our hearts. If we give with a cheerful heart, seeking to love the poor, seeking to help the less fortunate instead of giving it out of religious selfishness like a lot of people do, that is what God truly desires of us. And when we do that, people can see the love that we have for Him. Others around us can see that there is something different about being a Christian, that we have this peace and comfort and we want to share this peace and comfort, and we are willing to love others without wanting anything in return. And that is all because we have received the love, this love from Christ. Obviously, this is an ideal, and in many ways we fall short of this. We don't give generously in this way. We don't give because we're um, seeking to obey Him and we're seeking to uh, have justice in our world. Um, and we don't love like we ought to love. But by His grace, we have the ability now to love and to care for the less fortunate and have compassion, compassion for the poor. The Spirit of God does that work in us to, to really be able to love without wanting anything in return. A friend of mine who had recently become a Christian shared the story with me in confidence. And, and it wasn't a, a dark secret or anything. He actually shared that uh, he was at a train station one morning on his way back home uh, from college uh, during a break of uh, one, one of those breaks that you may have in college. And uh, we'll say that he was at Penn Station, right? And, and so he was there early in the morning at Penn Station. And, and a lot of the times at, at train stations at Penn Station, there's a lot of homeless people there uh, because early in the morning, uh, there are not a lot of people and they can kind of get some, get some sleep in a place where... It might be a little warmer in the winter and things like that. So that morning, uh, as he was heading home, a homeless man came up to him and asked him for some money. Um, and now before he was a Christian, he 
basically avoided homeless people at all costs. He, he had uh, been taught a lot of horrible things about homeless people, how they're just lazy and how they are, they just put themselves in this horrible situation and how they don't deserve our money and how they are um, just like really dirty and all, you know, whatever, all these horrible things uh, about homeless people that he was taught. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, in that moment, um, he forgot about these misconceptions and he just saw a man in need. And so when the, that homeless man came up and asked him for money, he didn't want to give him money because we know that giving money is not always the best thing for a homeless person, but he still wanted to do something nice. And so he uh, offered to buy him food. And so he, the homeless man agreed to that. And so he uh, went to Dunkin' Donuts with him and, and they just got some bagels and, and they actually ate together that day. And the reason why I share this is because uh, he actually kept it a secret because he didn't want to share that he had done this. He didn't want to make a big deal out of this. He didn't really want to brag about it. And that's why he shared this with me in confidence because he, he, wanted, he, he, want, he wanted to praise God for the fact that he would not have treated this homeless man the way he did if it wasn't for the Spirit of God in him. He, he just was genuinely surprised that God had softened his heart and, and, and opened his heart to help people who are struggling and suffering and opened his eyes to the fact that there are people out there who are much less fortunate and it's not because they're lazy or they deserved it. No, it's because they have just lived in unfortunate circumstances. And that is why we are called to seek justice for those individuals. Now, buying, buying a homeless man some Dunkin' Donuts is not the most amazing thing in the world, but it indicates how, how the gospel changes us. It allows us to love others and, and to seek justice. And that's why I know some of us, uh, we, we, we see what's happening around us in our world with racial injustice, and, and we feel uneasy about it. We feel that there is something wrong and that our world needs to fix this, and we want to stand up for what is right. And if that is you, God bless, amen, that is all true. That is the Spirit of God in us telling us that we are called to seek justice and compassion for those who are being oppressed. Now, I know some of us have this heart, but we don't know how to act on it, right? We want to love others and do justice and, and share the gospel most of all, but we are afraid to make that jump. Now, that's all right. It is totally normal. But I encourage you to, to take that step, to take that bold step, um, because there really is nothing to lose. If you act in love, if you act with grace, people can sense that. And some people will reject you, but others will receive you. And God will use it no matter what. And although you may not always be successful, God will somehow use your efforts for His glory. And we are all we are call to do is to act, to act on our conviction, to love others, and to seek justice, and to have compassion for them. Thirdly, I touched, I touched upon uh, money a little bit already, and, and how the Pharisees sought to give their money without seeking justice. But that doesn't mean money isn't important. It still is. And that's why the third point that Jesus teaches us here, is that we are called to give money to the Lord. The Pharisees were giving their 10%, which is great. Giving 10% it was the standard at the time. And giving money is really important because money is a huge part 
of doing justice and compassion and, and helping spread the gospel and the kingdom of God. So money is necessary for so many things in the world, for almost everything in the world, we need money to, to do it. Some, at least a little bit of money, some sort of money to do it. And if we're being honest, um, as the universal church, uh, we all can be better with giving. Now, the reality is that most of our giving comes from a, a relatively small percentage of people. They estimate 30 to 50% of congregations give to their church regularly. Now, our church, uh, we are probably a little bit different because we have been really blessed with how many of you have given to our church. And we are in a very healthy situation financially. You know, we're not we're not trying to make money at the church, but we are always trying to make sure we have enough money for the ministries and things that we want to do. So we praise God for that. Um, but the importance of giving to the church is 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 true because God uses the church. God uses the church to expand His kingdom, and that is the most important thing we are called to do—to expand the kingdom of God. And God has called churches to do that. And the church will continue to need resources for that. So as a reminder to us as a church, please give. If Cornerstone is your church, we really encourage you to give. And to not just to give to our church, but to give to other charities, give to other Christian causes, give to causes of social justice as well. Because money is necessary as we seek justice for the world. And... Uh, and, and that is something that will continue to be a reality, no matter what. Money will always be necessary for those things. Now, the, the standard tithe that people would give to the church is 10%, 10% of whatever you, you earn. And that is the Old Testament standard. Now, some people look at that and say, well, that, that's the Old Testament law. Like, you know, I thought we ignored laws like that, so we don't really have to give 10%, right? It's not like we eat kosher anymore, right? We can we can eat pig. We don't sprinkle blood, uh, you know, in our church. We don't we don't do all that stuff that they did back in those days. But we have to remember Christ did not come to abolish the law. No, he came to fulfill the law. So if we have Christ who fulfilled the law and we have this new covenant in him and we have this gift of eternal life, and, and because we have re received so much more in Christ, if that is the case, the 10% standard just doesn't seem to be enough. Because in reality, Jesus gave his life. And the least that we can do in return for his life is to actually give our lives for him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to give our lives for him. And so that 10% 10 standard is no longer a standard, but now it becomes a minimum. So may we think to be generous and not to think that, oh, 10% is too much. No, 10% is the minimum we are called to give because that was a part of the Old Testament standard. But how much more have we received in Christ, the, the, the true salvation that we have? So may we give to the Lord because we are called to give our lives for him. Brothers and sisters, uh, we are called to love God with all of our hearts and to be obedient to his word. We are called to love others by seeking justice and compassion for those who are oppressed, downtrodden, and suffering. And finally, we are called to give generously 
to the Lord through the church and to, to give to just causes. We so easily fall into pharisaical thinking. We, we think that we love God enough. We read his word enough. We think we um, love others enough. We think we give enough. But the reality is we fall short in so many ways. And it says in Isaiah 64, actually, that the good works we do, no, the, the best works we do are often like filthy rags. Because of our sin, we indeed do not have much to offer God. We really don't. We are sinful people who are in need of grace, and we really don't have much to offer Him. But because we believe in Christ, that He is our Lord and Savior, that He died and rose from the grave to save us from the penalty of our sin, and His Spirit is in us as a result of that, He uses us. He uses us for his purposes, and he gives us the ability to, to live for him, to love him, and to obey his word, and to love justice, and to give generously. He gives us all of this ability to do these things. So may the Spirit of Christ work in all of our hearts here today, because we believe in the gospel of Jesus, and his Spirit is in us. May we not think that we know enough, or we do enough, or we give enough. No, if we are honest with ourselves, most of us probably do not. Most of us probably are pharisaical in our thinking in that way. And may we be humble enough to realize that, to realize that we, are Pharise- we act like Pharisees way more often than we would like to admit. And by God's grace, may our hearts turn to Him each and every day so that we can experience his glory and his grace and love and that we can bring glory to his name as a result. So brothers and sisters, let us give glory to God. May we not think that we are good enough. May we not think that we are um, religiously good enough, that we give enough, that we love enough. No, we we do not. We, We all have ways in we can grow in our love and faith. And may we learn to lean on Him and trust in Him so that we can glorify His name because it is only His Spirit in us that can make this happen. So may we invite the Spirit to help us here today, to humble our hearts so that we can honor and glorify God and live as followers of Him as we are called to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you now um, asking that you help us, O Lord, that you pour your Spirit upon us here this morning. Lord, as you um, gave these judgments and woes to, to the Pharisees and scribes, Lord, may that be a warning to us as well. We very much can be like these Pharisees, these religious individuals, thinking that we are better than others, that we know better, that we, are, uh, we, we give better, that we do all these things better. But Lord, in reality, we have to examine our hearts and see that we neglect your truth in many ways. We we try to make it fit into our own desires. We we do not seek justice at times because we find it inconvenient or hard. So Lord, uh, we repent of these sins and we ask that you would humble us and help us to realize the ways that we fall short so we can honor and love you and live for you 
as we are called to do. Lord, the only way we can do that is by your Spirit. So may your Spirit work in us here so that we can truly live out the faith that we are we have the faith that we have been given and truly be Christ-like in our lives. Lord, help us here this morning. We give all the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again, brothers and sisters. We hope that you are encouraged by the word today. We'll see you next time. Take care.